And good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gents. This is your boy Casanova from Orlando, Florida, on this awesome and international podcast, Good Wine and Great Left, episode number 10. And today's topic is What is the mental health state of black and brown communities in America? You will know shortly who is here at Casa Casanova. Participate in today's recording as well the type of wine we are drinking. So ladies and gents, let's get this party started. Let's go! Ladies and gents, once again, this is your boy Casanova here on this awesome international podcast, Good Wine and Great Laughs, episode number 10. And But before I jump right on the topic, we have here my boy Daryl. He was here with me at Casa Casanova, episode number 3, and also the lovely lady Alina participating. So you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves, ladies first. Hi, thank you for having me. My name is Alina. Uh, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in the state of Florida, and currently I work with college students. All right, brother Daryl. All right, hello. Thanks for inviting me again. My brother Cass. Um, I used to uh, take care of developmentally disabled adults in my home. Uh, I did that for seven and a half years prior to becoming a flight attendant. So that's my mental health background. All right. See, ladies and gents, I know a lot of smart people. I just associate with the intelligent ones. <laughs> so, and the wine of the day, once again, we have a two different type of wine. First of all, it's Brother Derry. He likes sweet wine. So, it's this brand called the Gallo Family. And the wine is sweet pineapple. To me, it's the Kool-Aid, but he loves it. So it's called the Pineapple <laughs> Paradise. Sweet pineapple is deliciously sweet and slightly fizzy. Fruity and light body with a tropical fruit flavors and hints of honeysuckle and honey. <laughs> sweet pineapple is perfect complement to your favorite meal at parties as sweet treat enjoyed at its own, serve chilled, and alcohol percent is only 9%. So, Ooh. Alina and I are not about this life. <laughs> we like the good stuff. Uh, uh, you will drink uh, this brand, uh, Malbec from Argentina. The brand is called Frontera. And the alcohol percentage is about 13%, no, 12% alcohol. It's just good, it's good. And according to the label in the back, it's a robust aromas of forest fruits and plum entice you to explore the vivacious Malbec with the fruit forward flavors and perfectly it per, per, perfectly com complements your greening skills, whether it be a leg of lamb, a juicy steak, or, or a roast. So, okay, so let's go toast, ladies and gents, for those that need more wine. Hold on, Alina. No, hold on, partner. This Casa Casanova. We gotta make sure that you're right. Come on, brother Daryl. 
Let me get some more for you. There you go. Uh, let's toast for a great podcast. Drinking, let me know what you think. Delicious. All right. Mine is good. Very light body and crisp, just like I like it. Mm, he like the light stuff. Okay, whatever. Mm. <laughs> okay, let's go, ladies and gents. The reason that I decided to bring this to the topic is because I was talking to my friend Cookie about top because then Cookie told me my girlfriend knows about she works in the mental health. And so we discussed about it, say, you know what, that's a good topic. So I did my search. And I find a couple articles that is to me is, is by go right on top of it. So according to the Mental Health America's website, an article entitled Black and African American Communities and Communities and Mental Health. So according to this article, 13.4% of the US population identifies as black or African American. Of those over 16% reported having mental illness in the past. It is over 7 million people, this 16%. And 7 million people is more people than the population of Chicago, Houston, and Philadelphia combined. And this article cited source as the U.S www.census.gov and the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Service Administration. So ladies and gents, and according to this article, and I quote, historical dehumanization, oppression, and violence against black and African American people has evolved into present day racism. It's structural, institutional, and individual, and cultivates uh, a unique, mistrustful, and less affluent community experience characterized by a myriad of disparities, including inadequate access to and delivery of care in, in health system, processing and dealing with layers of individual trauma on top of new mass traumas from COVID-19, uncertainty, isolation, grief from financial or human losses, police brutality in news media, media and divisive political rhetoric adds compounding layers of complexity for individuals to responsibly manage. Help-seeking behavior is affected by mistrust of medical system and often begins with faith-based outreach. However, the MHA screening data shows that the black and African American people who screen positive for depression self-identify as planning to seek help at the higher rates than general population says they will seek help. Unfortunately, black and African American providers who are known to give more appropriate and effective care Two black and African American help seekers make up a very small portion of the behavioral health provider workforce. Because of these factors and more, black and African American people are more likely to experience chronic and persistent rather than episodic mental health conditions. Yet, 
hope for recovery should remain as light is shed on these issues, and the general public hold accountable policymakers and health systems to evolve better systems which eliminate inequities in mental health. The article also goes on, ladies and gentlemen, on different topics such as demographic social issues, prevalence, attitudes, uh, treatments, and issues. I'm just going to just talk one bullet point of each one of these so you get, got to have an idea. So, uh, demographic and social issues, despite of uh, historical diversity, which includes slavery, sharecropping, and race-based exclusion from health, educational, social, and economic resource, resources, translate into socioeconomic disparity experienced by black and African-American people today. Socioeconomic status, in turn, is linked to mental health, People who are impoverished, homeless, incarcerated, or have substance use, use problems are the higher risk for poor mental health. When it comes to prevalence, they say the black and African American are less likely than white people to die from suicide at all ages. However, black and African American teenagers are more likely to attempt suicide than white teenagers. So when it comes to attitudes, they uh, the black and African-American men are particularly concerned about stigma, so they don't look for help. And when it comes to treatment, uh, it says right here, the stigma and judgment prevent black and African-American people from seeking treatment for their mental health. Research indicates that black and African-American Americans believe that mild depression or anxiety would be considered crazy and so in their social circles. Furthermore, many believe that discussions about mental health illness would not be appropriate even among families. And the last point is going to be sobre access insurance and say that in 2016, 12.3% of black and African-American adults had a doctor's officer or a clinic visit over the past year had difficulty getting needed care, tests, or treatment compared to 6.8% of white adults. Okay, ladies and gents, on this topic, we're going, on this note, we're going to take a quick, quick break. And if you'd like to read more about this article that I just mentioned, you can find, you can log in on www.mhanational.org. And once again, the article's name is Black and African American Communities and Mental Health. We're going to take a quick break and return shortly, ladies and gents. All right, ladies and gents, we are back. 
And now I want to know, ladies and gents, you guys heard the article. Alina, please go ahead and let me know, let my audience know what you think about the article as well on your professional experience, how you, what to deal with. So the article brought up a lot of good points uh, that contribute to the lack of awareness and the lack of access and just the lack of success of mental health interventions that face uh, the black and brown communities. What I mean is there's a huge issue with access for mental health services when it comes to black and brown communities. And if we try to break that down, we can see that the healthcare system was not built to serve these people initially, really. And over time, with different kind of hurdles, with medical insurance and copay and prepay and this pay and that pay, it has convoluted the system so much further that it's hard to go and seek mental health uh, therapy. Even as a therapist in Florida, I find the system to be too confusing and sometimes just bigger than me that I give up while navigating the system. So I can't even imagine for people just having a crisis in their life to then want to step into or step towards mental health uh, professional or seek any services. Uh, the other two good points I really want to highlight is uh, lack of representation. Mm -hmm. So the article talked about how there are not a lot of black, black and brown folks, especially black and brown men, in the profession of mental health therapy and mental health counseling. And that's definitely a barrier because, you know, um, there is a history of trauma when it comes to black and brown communities in the United States mm -hmm. and that has severely ruptured the trust that exists between communities so for someone as a black person to approach a white therapist even even in the best of circumstances there is that feeling of mistrust and I've I've been a part of con many conversations where that topic has come up where uh, black communities and brown communities say we just don't know if we can trust these people um, so trust is at the core of any kind of mental health relationship. So with that being uh, not there, it's very hard for black and brown communities to access mental health services. Okay. I completely agree with you when it comes to the trust issues. Um, and a lot of those trust issues go back years and years and decades and decades to where at some point, black and brown people were used as experiments. So they don't know, should I trust them or are they gonna put me on some type of medication that's gonna make me even worse? Um, from, my, from growing up in the, in the 60s and 70s, from what I remember was that in the black community, there was no such thing as putting your family member into an institution. The family took care of that person. The neighborhood knew who that person was, so if they were ever out of control or lost or whatever, everybody knew where that person lived. But over time, neighborhoods and families broke down. So then that person was left without that support system in our community. When I was taking care of the um, developmentally disabled adults in my home, the majority of them were Caucasian or white. Whites had access to information mm -hmm. that the black community just didn't have. I only saw a few African-American uh, clients in the system, and those clients were usually given 
everyone has a level. So according to your level is the difference in how much that provider gets paid. Okay. Most of the black and brown clients had lower cis levels. The white ones had higher cis levels. Even if they were more highly functioning than the blacks. So then the providers wouldn't take the black and brown uh, clients. Services? And then if they did have them, they didn't treat them the same. They mistreated them. Okay. I remember having a client that, he was a Latino client, and the provider, now they get money every month. The provider was going to the Goodwill and putting this young man in girls' clothes or, give, or, or passing down his daughter's clothes to this client. He gets money every month. Why can't, and it's his money, you just say, hey, I need $100 to go shopping for them. But he didn't do that. But then I saw he had a white client also, a woman, and she was dressed nice and she was clean and he'd take her to go get her hair. And I was like, wow, why such a difference? And it, it, it just blew me away. The system is totally rigged against them, period. And it's like, okay, so how do they get to get the information? Unfortunately, in the black and brown community, it's kind of hush-hush. It's a stigma that, oh, you don't talk about that. You know, we keep, we, you can't let them know about Uncle Joe because they may take him away from us kind of thing. They want to keep him in, in their home. Mm -hmm. But then whites, as soon as they know that there's something wrong, boom, they're putting them in the system. They're like, here, you take care of them. So that's, that's part of why they're, they're, the services aren't there for us because we don't seek it. We'd rather keep it hush-hush, keep it quiet, and not make a big deal out of it. Okay. So... I think when we go talk about the system, we got to also think about the foundation of America mm -hmm. because we are not considered humans. No, it's all about the white man, the wealthy white man. That's mm -hmm. another thing, too, because a lot of things uh, that's yeah. that they, yeah, it's, because if you could pay attention on the, the plantations and all that, mm -hmm. you still have a bunch of white poor people mm -hmm. that are being used by the wealthy one. Just to put them in some quote unquote better position, but at least I'm not a slave. At least I'm right. not a Negro. Right. You know, and the system is works perfectly for a white supremacist society. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have in this country. So in order for her to be like, have a, a fair share for everybody, the system needs to be break down because when the constitution and all the founding founders have idea, first of all, this was less people that we have in this nation right mm -hmm. now, and they were not thinking about how uh, mixed, mixed this country would become. Mm -hmm. Because their idea is this, okay, the institution of slavery is going to be forever. That was the idea. So I don't have to provide you those Negroes with any kind of benefit. They are mm -hmm. just like mm -hmm. a, a property, yeah, like they, my they, chair, they, like they my belt. They are they property, they property. They you know? And so, and, and I'll go back to, because of that, the reason that we still don't have enough doctors is because education was a crime to mm -hmm. teach Negroes to read. Right, yeah. right. You know, if you're caught, white man can caught, you're going to be persecuted by the system. Mm -hmm. So in order for me 
my point of view is this in order for you to have a egalitarian society you need to break down each barriers of each society on health on the different parts of society the health the education and break all this down break this this walls down <coughs> to flat the field and then provide more opportunity for education for small for the latino for the blacks for the um any minority group so they can have more doctors more people going to school more people from those communities to be educated and then for that to have a sense of of connection because i completely understand because okay this mr um, dr johnson he's a white man even though he, he has good he may have good intents his intents are good to help you but he's never going to understand what I'm trying to tell you, right. because he he, do, he doesn't he know my struggles, right, right. and he doesn't have he cannot connect. He, he, there's mm -hmm. no connection of my struggle to what you have. The way you live your life, more likely if he's a doctor, he comes to a more likely a very wealthy family because in order to be a doctor, correct me if I'm wrong, this costs a lot of money. Education yeah, in general costs a lot of yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. So in order for you to become a doctor, it's a whole lot of money. Gotta be a very very smart person to get a scholarship to get that money to provide, or you have to have a very very wealthy family to want to, to want to support and pay all the bills for your education in order for you to become a doctor. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing too. So like I said, the system the system is break down. So you need to shut that down, break it down. You know, we have a political. And I'm not gonna talk about politics on that because. Now, everything is connected. But part of it is yeah, it's, it's intertwined. If the government is not giving money towards those services, then people don't get the service. Exactly. The government never put money towards those services until we had a Kennedy in the White House that had a mentally disabled family member. Uh huh. Was it her Ethel? No, Ethel was the mother. I can't remember her, her, her name. There are too many candidates. Yeah, no, I remember. Well, I, I saw a documentary about one that had somebody with And that's mail. when they put the focus on mental health in this country. Mm -hmm. And it's like before then, nobody cared. They had institutions everywhere. They just put them in an institution and forget about them. That's it. And now they're they're closing up all the institutions because a lot of these people were got worse when they went into an institution than they were had they been given the proper treatment prior to. All they did in the institution was just keep them drugged up. Yeah, yeah. That's all they did was just keep them drugged up. And that's the, that's the part about mental health in America that I think doesn't get a lot of attention is that that kind of long-term residential treatment kind of system, mm -hmm. state asylum, state-run units, things like that, that just does not work. That's that's not eliminating the problem. Like you said, that's more drugging the problem and keeping it in a room that is no quality of life. And that does not heal the person or their family. Uh -huh. So then the problem keeps coming back, coming back. Going back to something you said earlier about how back in the day, if there was someone that was sick in your neighborhood, the neighborhood knew and the neighborhood mm -hmm. took care of them. Mm -hmm. That actually, if you think about it from the public service um, principles or like the public uh, health uh, systems, that's actually one of the great approaches to solving any kind of issue is educating the community so the community looks after each other right. instead of that one step or just like one thing that you can do and one person you can fix. It's really the community's 
role mm -hmm. to heal each other, but for that, mm -hmm. we need communities back. Right, we and need communities back. Yeah. I don't think we have yeah. a sense of community right now, at least not in Orlando, I would say. Um, it's not in a lot of places. Okay. It's really not. People don't know their neighbors, they don't talk to their neighbors. And, you know, it's not there anymore. Officer Kaminsky or whatever his name used to be, they walked the beat. He knew the people in the neighborhood. He knew so-and-so's son had issues, so he knew what to do. That's that's where they're going with the defunding of the police now, is that instead of sending police officers out to places where someone's having a mental crisis, mm -hmm. let's send a social worker or someone that is works in that field to handle that. I agree. But, uh, you know, they, they stop putting people in institutions, but you know where they start putting them? In jail. Right, exactly. Another jail. Another they just job. start taking them in. Okay, well, they're crazy, so we're just going to put them in jail. Mm -hmm. Instead of taking the monies, the funds, and getting these people the mental health that they need, the mental health help that they need. And it's like, okay, it's just this one vicious cycle. Yeah. They're not going to fix it. We don't want to fix it. We just want to put them over here and not think about it. Mm -hmm. You know, because that's what they do with their family. Uh huh. They just put them away. You know, yeah, okay, yeah, they over there would send money over there. I saw many of those families. <laughs> just give them money to one. That's your problem. Just, Here's how yeah. much it costs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they put them uh, in the uh, system <laughs> and, and they paying and, and, you know, all the service. They go to the day program. They stand in someone else's home, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, if they're okay with me, why can't they be okay with you? How come, I, I'm like, they, they do what they need to do here in my home, why couldn't they do what they need to do in your home? They're going to your house every weekend, because that was a criteria of mine. Yeah. You got to go somewhere. At least once a week <laughs> <laughs> to give me. You gotta go. To give right? me a mental break. Okay? I need so your like, break, and I, mean, I got yeah, to clear my no, mind. Right. So, but it's like that's the only time that they would spend time with them. It's like on a holiday or something like that. And black and brown people, that person's there every week. They hanging out. They staying with an aunt or an uncle or. Somebody in the family is taking care of that family member because they're not getting the resources that the government should be given. Because mm -hmm. all the money's gone because all the white people didn't take the money first because they know what to do. Right? You know what I mean? So then there's no money left over. So then they're left holding the bag, maybe getting Medicaid or Medicare. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's not even available. They deny them that too. So, you know, it's a, it's a big mess in this country. Now, one thing that you brought to, to say something about the institutions, that to me, I never work in the medical profession, but one thing that I watch a lot of movies, and every time they have somebody institutionalized, they just like, it's people that don't care. If, it's, yeah. if you start screaming, or you start yelling, mm -hmm. or say something, the first thing you do, now greet the drugs, let me sedate this person right here, put mm -hmm. you in, in mm -hmm. the bed with a little, not, not yeah. a chain, but the, the, uh, the leather, Mm -hmm. yeah. hand, straps, straps mm -hmm. in your hand, and that's it. Mm -hmm. So our things go more than that too. Is how how are these how are the institutions working? Yeah, you know yeah. how are the professionals yeah. working that? Because I can tell, you no, know, Tyrone is crazy. Throw Tyrone in the mental institution right there, you know, mm -hmm. and then the people there are there basically they are nurses or whatever, but they really don't care about Tyrone. Oh, uh, uh, okay. Right? I'm, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to jump in a little Go bit ahead. here. Uh, Explain that to us. I worked in an inpatient facility for three years, and I cared. Uh, I know the work nurses that work there, they cared. Okay. And the technicians who worked with me cared as well. So I was one of the technicians, too. 
but. You would be, no. <laughs> no, no, no you would be surprised. There's a butt. Uh, <laughs> there, there's Not right butt. now, but the butt's Not coming. Right now, it's, <laughs> the butt's coming. Um, there, it, was, it was heartbreaking in many ways. One of the reasons it was heartbreaking because I worked with adolescents. So a client I saw was young as three years old. Whoa. And a client I could work with was as old as 17 because you know after that they're an adult. Mm -hmm. So you tell me, how is a three-year-old having mental health issues? Right. Uh, and a huge part in that is the environment that they're living in. Mm -hmm. And then why is the environment unstable? Then you can look into a lot of things. A lot of times, uh, kids were not living with their parents. They were being raised either in foster care or mm -hmm. they were being raised in uh, by grandma. Grandma was all already 70. Grandma couldn't take care of them and some other kids in the home. So there was just trauma on every cycle, trauma on every end. So a lot of times these kids came and said they were going to kill themselves and came to our facility because they just wanted a break from their outside life. So you tell me a hospital that wasn't that fancy and the beds weren't that comfortable but kids preferred that sometimes out of their real life. But there was that uh, sad part okay. about it. And the but that I was going to bring up was but the healthcare system is so messed up because mm -hmm. as soon as someone stepped on the premises, uh, their health insurance or whatever health insurance they had would be like, okay, but how soon can they get out? Because they didn't want to pay for them. Mm -hmm. So a lot of time treatment choices are made because of health insurance. A lot of time treatment mm -hmm. choices are made because of finances. And sometimes treatment choices are made because of liability. Mm -hmm. Like the hospital doesn't want that liability or mm -hmm. somebody else dumped their liability on us. Mm -hmm. So it's sometimes it becomes a hot potato kind of game. But I can tell you with all honesty in my heart, the time the people spent on the floor with people seeking help, that is genuine and uh, that is true. Okay, I mean, I, I'm not saying, of course, now each profession, there are some good professions that care. Mm -hmm. You know, that this is like my calling in life. Mm -hmm. I want to be a nurse, I want to be a, a health, the medical health profession, whatever it is in the field, that's what you want to do. That's your calling. Right. Completely understand. But also that some people are just like, I, I thought that was my calling, but I spent this, how many years in school? Mm -hmm. I have how many debts in, in school loans? Hey, I'm here. Myself, <laughs> write this now. Write this book. Yeah, you right know, and so in each profession, you know, mm -hmm. in each area, whatever work you do, you're going to find great professionals on that field. Mm -hmm. And excuse my language, shitty professionals <laughs> on mm -hmm. that field. You know what I'm saying? So, oh, yeah. Well, another, another interesting thing about that, a lot of the technicians who work on the floor were black and brown people. Mm. Oh, of course, the hard work's gonna be who? Black and brown? Mm. That's a no doubt about it. Who's gonna do the, the main, the hard work's gonna be us. The right. helpers <laughs> were black and brown people. See? So, and that's a mental health setting, so it's. I don't know how to make sense of that. Just besides the fact that there's just so much heart in these communities, and even though a lot of times they've been dealt shitty hands, oh, mm -hmm. <laughs> hey, most of the people adults that listen to my podcast, they've been they've been dealt a shitty hand. They take every opportunity to help. I mean, mm -hmm. that's a mm -hmm. lot of resilience. The, uh, and a lot of it, a lot of the people that are in the field, they're just in it for the money, right? I mean, they're just really in it for the money. When I was doing it, yes, the money was good, but. I made sure that my clients were groomed. I got money to buy them clothes because uh -huh. my thing was if they look bad, that's a reflection you on me. Mm -hmm. Some people don't care. One of my clients, I got him off of insulin. 
just by changing his diet and getting him walking wow. and getting him out of that wheelchair and got him up on a walker. But because there was a danger of Medicaid lowering mm. what he needed, they took him from my house and put him someplace where they didn't care. To get insulin back? back on insulin. <laughs> and he was back in that Jeez. wheelchair. Mm-mm-mm. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I got this man to have a better quality of life, but mm-hmm. that wasn't important. What was important was money. how much money they were gonna get, continue to get from Medicaid. The money. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and and it's like, I'm like, there's money there, but not everybody's getting it. It's more like the corporations are getting it more than the clients are getting yeah. it, more than the providers are getting it. Uh-huh. The, the people at the top making more money, yeah. and they're not doing any other work. Mm-hmm. I guess that's corporate America. Huh? Uh, <laughs> I guess that's normal corporate American capitalism. I guess, right? States, hey, right? it's all about the green. Yeah. yeah, it's all about the green. But you know, it's kind of, it was kind of sad because they become part of your family, and yeah. then they just take them from you. And they're saying, "I don't want to go. I don't want to go." And they tell them, "Well, you're adults, and you can make your own decisions." But then when it comes to their money, they're like, "Nope, we don't care if you're an adult or not. You going over here?" Mm, that's sad. And just treat them like like their property, yeah. you know. Just move them here and there, whatever fits them the best. Whoever's gonna make sure that they get more money mm. for that client, just let them go down. Mm-hmm. But it's like, cause Colorado, they started closing all the institutions, wow. and they started placing people in home environments. Unfortunately, some of these people have never been in a home environment yeah. since they were kids. I I was uh, watching a client for a person. For this lady and this man was like 55 years old and had never been toileted taught how to go to the bathroom and shower so I had to help him do that and it was oh my god it was crazy but they and then they were only paying this lady like $95 a day for this client that at, at a level one and he was definitely like a level five Jeez. or more but see they were cheating her yeah. Out of the money she's supposed to get because they were probably getting level five money. Oh, definitely. And giving her level one money. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, they find cheap labor. I'm going yeah. to cheap labor. That's what it is. I was like, I, I know. I'm sorry. I know you like. I know you might go on vacation another time, but no, I can't. I can't take care of your client. <laughs> nope. That was the longest five days ever. Wow. You know, but it's it's sad how how mentally ill people are treated in this in this world. You see them out homeless. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are, are vets. Yep. How come the vet, how come the government's not taking care of the vets that have mental illness? Mm-hmm. What's up with that? Because they don't care. I agree with you, my brother. Okay, ladies and gents, on this note, we're going to take a quick, quick break, and we are come right back. Come 
and gents, we are back on this third block. As you can see, we are have a very, very intelligent and productive discussion. And because the topic is so, I would say, intense and so deep, we are going to more than normally my podcast is of 30 minutes. So I don't care about the length of time right now. I'm more concerned that you can have a good, productive, and educational concern for those that have mental health and for those that have family members that suffer of mental health. So you're going to continue on this block three right here. And I do have a question for my lovely guest. And the question is, what steps would you suggest in order to help people to be encouraged to seek help in, in dealing with mental health issues? Derek. The stigma on mental health has to be dealt with. People have to understand that just because you get therapy does not mean you're crazy. I love going to the therapist. It's somebody I can tell anything and everything to that does not have an opinion. Tell all your business? Yeah, I can tell all my business everybody else's business. And they ain't going to tell nobody. You know, so I don't mind going to a therapist. It, it, you get it out. And you know how to deal with things from there. But, some, but but especially in the black and brown community, it's like, keep it hush-hush. Don't tell anybody your business and keep it within the family. You know, but that doesn't help somebody get through an issue that they're going through. Because if you won't talk about it in the house, how are they going to get it out? How are they going to get the help? So we have to learn as families to talk about these issues and know that it's okay mm -hmm. to seek outside help from the family. If you don't want to go to somebody that doesn't look like you, then don't. You may have to drive a little further. You know what I'm saying? But not everybody's going to be in your community that, that can help you or has been where you and your family have come from. So you just have to take the time to research, research, research to get yourself or that family member the help that they need. I agree. Go ahead, Alina. Uh, my soapbox is for parents. Okay. I'm not a parent. Um, a lot of my close friends are parents, and then of course I am a product of parents. So I know for our younger generation, so I'm talking about like kids born after like 96, let's talk about Gen Z. These folks, this generation is going through a lot of crap. And a lot of times what I hear from the older generation is, oh, they're so soft, oh, they're so weak. In our time, we dealt with this, this, and this, and we didn't cry about it, we went to work, we kept it moving, we kept our head high, all this stuff. As parents, people don't realize that kind of messaging to their child who's developing in today's day and age is not helpful. Mm -hmm. So of course they won't tell you, of course they will tell their friends, and a 13-year-old telling their problems to another 13-year-old, that's not the recipe for success. That's recipe for stupid decisions. And that is okay because that's their developmental stage. So a lot of times then people are trying, these kids are trying to figure things out on their own and not doing the best things. There's a lot of drug use. There's a lot of suicidality. There's a lot of suicide attempts. And there's just so much anxiety and depression. And I'm, I'm talking to the parents who are listening to this. You need to talk about these things with your kids. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a whole misconception. Well, if I talk about suicide, I'll put the idea in someone's head. You will not make someone think about suicide if they weren't already thinking about it. Right. So we need to also move away from that. 
we just need to be kinder to our children. We need to take care of them because science will tell you people are not born with a mental illness. Mental illness develops because of how they're raised and their environment. So if we can fix the environment, if we can fix the way the kids are being raised, we can eliminate a lot of these issues. So parents, please be kind. All right. Can I make another Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Now, a lot of people are probably going to disagree with me on this, but stop thinking that your child is your friend. <laughs> your child is not your friend. That room does not belong to them unless they know where to pay that mortgage. That is a disgust. I, I, I was in Colorado during Columbine. I was in Colorado doing uh, the theater shooting. Here you have people that, these those kids, their parents didn't go in their room. How do you not know your child has guns in their room? It's not their room. I agree. It's, it's your room that, they're, that you're allowing them to stay in, in your home. Pay attention, parents. Pay attention. Stop sitting your child, sitting your child down in front of the TV as a babysitter or that computer or that video game. Spend time talking to your child. Maybe Columbine would have never happened if, they, if those parents had been paying attention. I'm just saying. That's my soapbox. You just gave me an idea for another topic. <laughs> Parenthood in America. That's going to be another topic, ladies and gentlemen. Soon, I'm not going to tell you when. I got to sit down and do my search, but I like that. Parenthood in America. <laughs> final thoughts, ladies and gents. Go ahead. Final thoughts. Talk to me. Uh, my final thought, especially given that we're in an election season, uh, we're going through a pandemic, uh, half of the country is burning, the other half is drowning, <sighs> again, be kind, um, and it's not, it doesn't count if you're kind to people who think like you, it counts more when you're kind to people who don't think like you, uh, there are so many things, so many powers at play that have divided us in many ways, and you can see the country is not doing good because of that. So let's try to just change that. And in connection to mental health, if our country's doing better, if we're doing better as a society, if there's a positive feeling in just the atmosphere, our mental health will improve as well. So if you can't do anything else, just start practicing kindness. I would concur. Also, I want to say, if, you, if you're having issues or you're having thoughts about suicide, there are suicide hotlines that you can just talk to someone. You don't have to tell them who you are. You don't have to tell them where you live. But they, you know, you can talk to them about it. You know, so just take take care of yourself. If nobody else is helping you, get the help on your own. Because not everybody, not everybody's going to be there to do any, everything for you. And for those Karens out there, you really need to get some help. Absolutely. <laughs> Karen needs some mental health yeah, assistance. Yeah, need some mental health. Stop calling the police on black people for, for delivering the mail. That's all I got to say. Okay, ladies and gents, I'd like to finish my final thoughts by mentioning this article that I found in the National Alliance on Mental Health website. It stated the importance the point of stigma, and I quote, the stigma around the mental health conditions is still pervasive in our society. For many black communities, discussing mental health can be a difficult subject. For example, one study showed that 63% of African Americans 
believe that mental health conditions is a personal sign of weakness, the stigma that can act as deterrence from people seeking mental health care when they need it. Additionally, many people choose to seek support from their faith community rather than seeking medical diagnosis. In many black communities in the U.S., the church, mosque, or other faith institution plays a central role as a meeting place in your in source of strength. Faith and spirituality can help in the recovery process and be part of the treatment plan. For example, spiritual leaders and faith communities can provide support and reduce isolation. However, they should not be only option. Faith communities can sometimes be a source of distress and stigma if they are mis misinformed about mental health or do not know how to support individuals or family dealing with this condition. So ladies and gentlemen, can read more about this part, this website www.nami.org and the article topic of the article is called black slash african americans so ladies and gents on that note i would like to thank all my lovely great guests for participating in today's recording of this episode and all of you listening to this great international podcast please share it share it share it share it with all your friends and family once again good one and great laughs it's coming from the bottom moving all the way to the top aiming to reach the number one spot and once again ladies and gents this is a boy casanova please be safe be kind and be blessed i'll be back next week Let's get out of here. Thanks, ladies and gents. I appreciate once again. Let's toast. Outstanding. I appreciate your time. You guys are awesome.